Um, we're talking about fibs in church. Fibs in church. First one we talked about was this little fib you often hear in church, and it is follow your heart, whatever your heart tells you. Well, the Bible says your heart is deceitful and wicked. So you don't want to follow your heart. You want to get on your knees and pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to lead you and follow the Holy Spirit. And the people said, another one we talked about last week, um, a pretty, pretty important one. We hear it all the time in the church. I've said it, you've said it, and that is, God will never put more on you than you can bear. Have you ever heard that? How many will be honest enough to say, I've actually said that? How many of you know the Bible don't say that? We know that now, don't we? After last week, the Bible doesn't say God won't put more on you than you can bear. He says he won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able to overcome. So we got into that last week. If you didn't hear the first two messages, our awesome media team records these messages, puts them on our church website, and you can go look at them anytime you want to, absolutely free of charge. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you a little secret. The bookstore people are going to get on me. Media guys might get on me. But you can get our sermons through iTunes. You can just go on our, it's on our website. You can connect through there. Burn your own CDs of my sermons. And then when you can't sleep, you put one of those on. You're out. All right? So I want to make that available to you. Today we're going to talk about another fib that we have heard in the church before. And that is the fib that says, you know, if you're in God's will, that's the safest place. That's just the safest place. How many of you have ever been in God's will and you didn't feel very safe? How many of you have never really been under attack that bad until you got in God's will and then you came under attack, anybody? So we know that's something that's not true. One of the things I've discovered, well, let me, let me just ask you this. Have you guys ever heard the word karma? Karma. You know that's not a Bible word. You also know that's not a Christian word. That's a New Age word. Now, if, if you want to know anything about the New Age movement, it's a humanistic movement. It's the, it's the worship of human potential. And uh, it is not about God. As a matter of fact, the New Age movement leaves God totally out. And it's all about, it's all about really the fact that you have uh, divinity, you have godness in you. And I've met y'all, and you don't. We don't. I don't. We don't have God. We, we are not gods. We are not little gods. We don't have any divinity in us. We need a God. We need our God. We need the one and only true and living God. But the New Age movement leaves that out. But anyway, they got this little word called karma. And, and you know, when somebody does something bad, they go, hmm, karma's going to get you. And for a long time, I was afraid of a woman named karma until I found out what that meant. Karma's going to get you. And what that means is if you do right, good things will happen to you. And if you do wrong, bad things will happen to you. And the Bible has a concept, we're not going to get into it today, of whatever you sow, you will. We've talked about that and I've taught on that many, many times, but karma's different. 
Karma says if you do right, only good things will happen to you. And I want to tell you that when you do God's will, you're doing right, but that doesn't always mean doing God's will will bring good things in your life. So a lot of people have kind of bought into what I call a Christian karma, and this will lead to confusion in your life. It will lead to disappointment in your life. If you have the idea that if I read the Bible, I do everything the Bible says, I follow the Word of God, I find out what God's will for my life is, and I do it. I find out what God has gifted me to do, and I do, do the things he's gifted me to do, that, that my life is going to be a peaceful place. It's going to be a safe place. There isn't going to be any opposition. There isn't going to be any consternation in my life. I just want to tell you, that's not true. Now, there are going to be peaceful times. There are going to be fruitful times. There are going to be wonderful times. But there are going to be battles, and there are going to be struggles, even though you're doing God's will. And listen, I'll take it a step further Sometimes you're going to go through those things because you're doing God's will, because you said yes to God. So let's take a look at this today as we ask the question, why do bad things happen to obedient Christians? We've all heard the question, why do bad things happen to good people? But let's take it a little further and ask, why do bad things happen to obedient followers of Jesus? That's a little bit deeper there. Why do good things happen to those who reject God? Why do they have good stuff happen? Why, why do good things happen to those who reject his will? I mean, if God is a God of love, why does he allow suffering? Especially to those who are doing his will. It reminds me a little bit of this whole Ebola thing that we're reading so much about in the news. And I think about the uh, gentleman, one of the very first ones, maybe the first one, I'm not really sure about that, but the, I think the very first American to get Ebola who was over there serving was a Christian gentleman who worked for Samaritan's Purse. He was over there working for Samaritan's Purse. His name was Dr. Kent Brantley. Doing God's will, doing the work of God, doing good work, but something bad happened to him. Now, we thank God and we praise God today that he is better and he is well from that. But something bad happened to him that could have taken his life Why? while he was doing God's will. Let's look at some people in the Bible real quick. And these are characters in the Bible you know. Uh, you know some of you know more about them than I do. You know more details about them uh, than I do. And the first one is Moses. Moses. Now, there's a movie coming out about Moses. Have you all seen that? Have y'all seen the trailer on that? It looks like it's going to be pretty good. I don't know. We'll have to see. You know how Hollywood is. They can take the truth and mess it up quick, can't they? But once in a while, they get some good stuff out there. But when Moses said yes to God's will, guess what God did? God said, hey, Moses, listen, I want you to go lead my children out of Egyptian bondage. And Moses goes, all right, God, I'll do your will. So God puts him in the backside of the desert for 40 years. This is a uh, leadership lesson this morning. One of the things that I notice about people who are called to leadership and who are called to be leaders, a lot of times, especially if they're young people, we got some teenagers in here today, we got some millennials in here today, we got some young adults in here today. Here's one of the things, and here's why I know it's true. When I was there, I suffered with it too. And that is that when God tells you his will for your life, you want to get launched right into it right then, go to work. I know God's will. I know what he's called me to do. I'm excited about it. I know what he's gifted me to do. 
But God will, God will make you wait. God will put you in a holding pattern even though you know his will. And i got to tell you something, that's an uncomfortable place to be. I remember when I was in Bible school, when I was preparing for the ministry, I was about 19 years old, and I thought, man, i got to get out there. I don't have time to be here at this little school in Dunn, North Carolina, which, as you know, Dunn is the last town God made. <laughs> Dunn. Okay, some of y'all get that going home. God went, done. So, so I was there, and it was a real tiny little school, but the uh, teaching there and the educational uh, quality was really, really high, and I sat under some awesome, awesome teachers. But I thought, y'all know Billy Graham is getting old. I'm, I'm telling you, I need to get out there. And... Um, I had the gift of gab. I could, I didn't know much about the Bible, but I could talk for 20 minutes and people would go, that's good. And people would go, well, what did he say? And they go, I don't know what he said, but he said it well. And so if you're gifted in some area like that, what the enemy will do, will, he'll go, man, you don't need all this. You, look, you're gifted, man. You, you just got the gift to speak. You got the gift of communication. You, you don't need all this study. You don't need all this quiet time. You don't need all this time behind the scenes to get ready. You need to just get on out there. I tell you what, if I had left school and gone on out there and not understood that great word of the Lord to me when God said, Simmer down now. <laughs> Stay in school. Because in Bible college, they don't teach you everything about the Bible, what they do is they teach you how to find out. They teach you how to study on your own, how to research, so you can get from, from the Bible new things all through your life. I've got a little cough that's bugging me, guys, so y'all hang in there with me. It interrupts me. But um, Moses was put in the backside of the desert for 40 years, listen, after he found out what God's will for his life was. I don't know about you, but that would have been frustrating for me. 40 years, Really? And then when he really got discouraged, God let him see a burning bush just to keep him on fire for God. Amen. So Moses said yes to God's will. And when, God, when he did, Moses experienced extreme difficulty in dealing with the evil Egyptians who had the children of Israel in bondage. He dealt with the psychopathic Pharaoh that led uh, Egypt. Uh, Yul Brynner, you remember him? And then uh, Moses, when he said yes to God's will, not only did the, the Egyptians war against him, but guess who else turned on him? The very people he was trying to set free, the Israelites. They whined and complained and whined and complained, and even when they were free, they whined and complained. Listen, they whined and complained so much, they came to this point where they looked at Moses and said, it was better in Egypt, man. So Moses, doing God's will, ran into a lot of opposition. I'll tell you what just devastates me more than anything is that Moses, as powerful as he was, as awesome a man of God as he was, God did not even give him a TV ministry. He didn't have a TV ministry with tens of thousands of adoring fans and a big, nice worship center like this. Moses got none of that. He just... Uh, Stood on a hot rock. 
and preach God's word. Moses. And then think about Stephen. I think about Stephen in the Bible, Pastor Andrew and Nicole. Didn't they give a great testimony last week about their difficult time that they went through? Great, great message. But Stephen, a young man, I, I see some of our uh, Amplify guys uh, sitting here today, and, and maybe he was about their age, or maybe even the age of some of our riot uh, kids, our, our student ministry, our, our high schoolers. And he, the Bible says about Stephen that he was a, a man of God. It says he was a full man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of excitement and zeal to do God's will. And when he said, yes, I'll do God's will, the, one of the first things he ran into were complaining Christians who said, nobody's meeting my need, nobody's doing enough for me. So he ran into that, and then he preached the word, and I would just encourage you to go over there to Acts 5, 6, 7, and read that whole story, not while I'm preaching now, but later, that whole story about Stephen as he stood there and preached the gospel to the very people who crucified Jesus, and it made them so angry that the Bible says they ground their teeth. They just ground their teeth, and, and, and they gnashed on him with their teeth, the Bible says. And, and they picked up stones, and they began to stone him to death while he was obeying God, while he was doing exactly what God called him to do. They turned against him and stoned him to death, a young man of God, a young preacher. The guy who really was against Stephen at that time, his name was Saul, and he later would become Paul, but he was Saul at this time, and he actually was against Stephen. He was against him, and the Bible says he held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen to death. But then we know that Saul had a conversion experience on the road to Damascus. He was born into the family of God. He was born again, and his name was changed to Paul. And boy, did he face some, some stuff when he said, yes, I'll do your will. He faced all kind of problems. When Paul said yes to God's will, he experienced the problems we read about last week. 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, if you want to write that down in your notes and read it when you get home. We went over it last week, so I'm not going to go over it in detail this week. But when he said yes to God's will, God told him to start planting churches. And the moment he did, uh, these churches began to listen to false teachers. Paul had to come in and straighten that out. There was immorality in those churches. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine people living immoral lives who go to church? Happened way back there in Paul's day. They fought among themselves, and Paul had to deal with that. Not only that, there was stuff outside the church uh, that uh, he suffered, and we'll just go through that really quick. He says, I was nearly stoned to death. I was shipwrecked. I was abandoned. I was beaten with whips and rods. I, I never had a permanent home. Went days in the cold without enough clothes uh, to keep me warm. There were days and days when I had no food. I'd gotten no sleep. He says, I was in danger from bandits and Jews and Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false teachers. Paul said, all these things happened to me when I said yes to God. All these things happened to me when I said I'll do God's will. Now, I'm not saying those things are going to happen to you. I'm not saying you're going to go through those kinds of things. But I just want to get in your mind today 
that sometimes the will of God is not a safe place to be. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's a lot safer to say, you know, God, I'll go this far with you, but I'm not going this far with you. I'll, I'll give my life to you, but when it starts getting me in trouble, I'm going to back off. I know some people who do that. Let's look at some other characters in the Bible really quickly and some things they said. There's a guy who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. How many of you know who that was? Solomon. Solomon was what kind of man? Wise. Look what he said in Ecclesiastes 4 and 1. Was Solomon a man of God? Absolutely. Solomon did God's will. In Ecclesiastes 4 and 1, he said, again, I saw all the people who were mistreated. He's talking about, he's talking about godly people, good people. He said, I saw all the people who were mistreated on earth. I saw their tears and that they had no one to comfort them. Boy, that sounds like today, doesn't it? I mean, listen, as we look around at what's going on in the world today, I know a lot of you keep up with the news. You know what's going on in the world. Do we see this right here? I saw all the people who were mistreated. Do we see that on earth? Saw their tears and that they had no one to comfort them. When I see what's going on in the Middle East, when I see what ISIS is doing over there or ISIL or whoever they are, when I, when I just see the, the, oh my goodness, satanically inspired hatred. Can I say that? Satanically inspired hatred that you will behead a baby, you will behead a child, that you will line people up and just slaughter them like animals. And we are seeing people who were mistreated. He saw it in his day, we're seeing it in our day. Saw their tears and these people who they hate the most are those who claim to be what? Christians. He said, I saw their tears and that they had no one to comfort them he said, i got to tell you something, God. From my perspective, Solomon, from my perspective, cruel people had all the power. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like the cruel people have all the power? He said, cruel people had all the power. And there was no one to comfort the godly people, the people who were doing God's will, who they what? That's real deal right there. Because I'm the mayor of what? Realville. That's it, baby. See, I can get up here, guys, and I can tell you church fibs to make you feel good. I can tell you church fibs to make you go out and go, man, if I can just get in that special place with God, I will never have difficulty. I'll never have problems. I'll never, I'll never be rejected. I mean, if I can just get in God's will, I'll be safe. It'll be peaceful. It'll just be like God puts me in this little bubble and takes care of me. I'll tell you what, how many of y'all listened to Joe Woodard when he came out here? When he's, at, he's out there at the table, when he leaves today, go up to him and ask him, go, hey, Joe, when you said you'll do God's will, did you have any problems after that? How many of you would think going on the street to share Jesus Christ, you might run into just a tad of opposition? See, we're the majority in here. It's easy in here. Oh, you might get a little persecution on Facebook once in a while. You might get a little, I got, some, I got a little persecution on Facebook this morning. But it took me like three seconds to get over it. I got to tell you something, man. When you do God's will and you try to do right, you're going to get persecuted. You're going to have some suffering. Look what Jeremiah, how many of y'all remember Jeremiah from last week? 
Old Testament prophet, wrote the book of Jeremiah. That's why they call it Jeremiah. And he wrote the book of Lamentations. That was his last name, Jeremiah Lament. No, that's not true. Lamentations means weeping. It means crying. And you know why Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations? Because he was crying. Because, and here's why he wrote the book of Lamentations. He was crying because he had suffered so much because he was doing God's will. Look what he says in Jeremiah 12, 1 and 2. Righteous are you. I lo- Look, I got to tell you something, man. I love how real Jeremiah is. Because, you know, I told you all last week, he said, I'm going to a hotel, and I'm going to register under somebody else's name. I want to get somewhere where nobody knows who I am. I am tired of fighting this battle. Jeremiah 9. But in Jeremiah 12, he says, Lord, I just want to lay some stuff down right off the bat. First of all, righteous are you, O Lord. Righteous are you. I mean, God, I just want to tell you, me and you're good. We're good. Righteous are you, O Lord, and I'm telling you, when I plead with you, man, you bless me, you help me, you're there for me. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yeah. That's like another word we talked about last week. But I won't go over that theology with you today. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet, Lord, can we talk? Look what he says right there. Lord, can we just have a little talk here? I want to talk to you not about when you're good to me and when you bless me and when you really, really, really help me. But, Lord, what I'd like to talk with you about are your... (laughs) Because how many of you know we don't just serve a God of love, but we serve a God who is a judge? I know it's hard to say amen to that. He is a righteous judge, and we're going to get judged. He said, can I just talk to you about your judgments, God? Because I am seeing some stuff that from my perspective as a Christian looks a little whacked out. He says, let me just ask you some questions. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? How many ever thought that? rest of y'all lying. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? How many of y'all have ever looked at somebody who's wicked and they prosper and you go, really? I mean, that's a little short prayer right there, that one word, really? God, why do the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You have planted them He's saying right here, God, I mean, you created them. You made them. You created them, yes. You, uh, uh, they have taken root. I mean, they're living, they're thriving. They grow, yes, they even bear fruit. I mean, you're up there in heaven, you're watching all this. All these wicked people who hate you and hate all the Christians and hate the church and hate the Bible. I mean, they're doing good. He said, you are near in their mouth. He said, a lot of them are hypocrites, God, because they talk about you. He said, but, but you are far from their mind, their heart. This is real right here. Go to the next one. Let's go back to Solomon. Solomon says, I've seen everything. <laughs> you ever said that? No, when you see something, you go, I think I've seen everything now. I've seen everything in my days of vanity. There is a just man who what? Perishes in his righteousness. A good man, 
a godly man, a just man, but what happens to him? He perishes in his righteousness, in his goodness, and all that he does that's good. I mean, he's doing God's will, but what happens to him? He what? Perishes. And there is a wicked man who prolongs life in his wickedness. Now, the next verse, I didn't put it up there, but the next verse is, what's up with that? <laughs> How many of y'all know Job was doing God's will? Or as my mom said one time when she was reading through the Bible, she said, turn to the book of Job. <laughs> I got to pick on her. She'll be here in the second service. I probably won't say that. But, <laughs> but Job, you know what the Bible says about Job at the beginning of the book of Job? It says he was a godly man. He hated evil. He loved God. He was a good man. He was doing God's will. He was living right, walking right, treating everybody right. And then the devil came to God and said, I want to get Job. Is that what happened? How many of y'all know what happened? Who came to who? God came to Satan. I'm about to mess your Bible up, aren't I? God came to Satan and said, hey, Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What's up with that? And Satan looks at God and goes, yeah, man, I've thought about Job. I can't get to him. He said, you got to have your protection built around him. He said, I'll tell you what you do. He said, you move that protection. He said, you let me get my hands on Job and he will curse you. He will curse you. So you know the story about how God opened the door, let Satan in. Job was one of the richest men who lived in, matter of fact, really Job chronologically is one of the first people in the Bible, probably the oldest book in the Bible, not the oldest history, but the oldest book. So it was right at the beginning of time and there's Job. And Job is a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy man. And so God backed off, and the first thing Satan did was take all his wealth, take his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his family. Found himself sitting in an ash pile covered in boils and took a stone and was scraping those sores, trying to get them to heal, trying to get the infection out so he'd heal. I mean, that's what Satan did when God just backed off a little bit. Had Job done anything wrong? Had Job rebelled against God? No. So let's look at what Job says. Job says, God, I got some questions. Why do evil people live so long and gain so much power? He said, God, verse 8, why are they allowed to see their children grow up? Remember, Job lost his whole family. Verse 9, they have no worries at home. It doesn't look like to me. I mean, how many of you know, listen to this. How many of you know when you're suffering, when you're suffering and you feel like it's unfair, you feel like it's unfair, how many of you know you'll think like that? You'll begin to look at people who aren't serving God and you'll go, here I am broken. Here I am just tore up. Put a little southern flair on there. I'm just up from the flow up and then I look at these ungodly people and it looks like they have what no worries 
Do you know he'll get up in your head? The enemy will get up in your head and make you look around and go, nobody's messed up like me. Nobody's going through what I go through. He said, God, from my, excuse me, from my perspective, God, they have no worries at home. And God, it looks like you never punish them. Now, Job's sitting there covered in boils. He hadn't done anything wrong. I mean, that can, that can get you messed up, can it? He said in verse 10, their cattle have lots of calves without ever losing one. He said, their children, I've noticed, I, I went by a house the other day of somebody who I know is, is uh, just all about idols and they don't love you. He said, their children are playing and dancing. Their children are safe. He said, these people sing and celebrate to the sound of, I mean, <laughs> you know, Job's hadn't been to a party in a long time. Matter of fact, he hadn't even been, been invited to a party. So evidently he saw some ungodly people partying and he names, he is so ticked off right here, he names every instrument in the band. He goes, these people sing and celebrate to the sound of tambourines and small harps. That's how you play a small harp right there. This is a big one, small. Write that down. Sound of tambourines. I still got it. <laughs> Sound of tambourines, small harps, and flute. He said, God, I'm telling you, they were partying down. He said, I noticed something else. They are successful. And he comes right back with those same words again. He says, without a, who's felt like this? Who's felt like this? I have. Without a worry until the day they die. I mean, God, I'm doing your will. I'm trying to make you happy. I'm trying to please you. And look what happens to me and look what happens to them. And then you're going to need your Bible for this one. Turn, turn real quickly, and I want to go through this real quick. And I, I'm not, I, I went a little long Thursday night uh, because that the Thursday night campus, they just love for me to preach long. So I, I just try to do it for them. But on Psalm 73, Psalm 73 is the chapter that deals with this. It's a whole chapter in your Bible that deals with a Christian who is mad because wicked people prosper and he's trying to do God's will and his life looks like it's a mess. So I really think I'm speaking to somebody here today because the enemy's been working on you in this area. It looks like the more you try to do for God, the more you get kicked around. The more you try to please God, the more you try to say yes to God, the more you get beat up. So you're going to need your Bible because these scriptures aren't going to come up on the screen. So I hope you, there's just too many to put up on the screen. So I hope you have your Bible there with you. We're going to read it out of the message. You can follow along with another version. It'll be pretty close. But I wanted to do the, um, the message because the message just really speaks in and in brings it out in a, a way we can clearly understand. Um, Asaph wrote this psalm, did some study on Asaph. He was David's worship leader. So I found out when he was a worship leader, uh, I found out how he could get kind of mixed up in his thinking. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I love our worship leaders, don't you? I got to tell you, did Pastor Jared lead us in worship this morning? Wasn't that good? Weren't those songs good? 
And then Jane standing up here. Jane, your sweater matches my shoes. If I could wear that for the next service. And, and I was thinking about you singing, and, 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 and there was Brent back there on that guitar. You know, he's kind of old, but he still rocks it, you know? And I appreciate y'all, man. I just want y'all to know that. I really appreciate y'all. Thank you for sitting on the front row, too. That's really good. All right, Psalm number uh, 73. Look at, let's read verses 1 through 5 real quick. He says, uh, now, now let me just say this to set this up. He's over it now. So you have to understand, <laughs> you have to understand that. When you read Psalm 73, Asaph is over it. He's over it, okay? Uh, he's, he's not still having the problem of seeing the, the, the righteous forsaken and the ungodly, you know, they're just fruitful. So he, he's not fussing in this psalm. He, he's telling you the story of how he got messed up in his thinking and how God set him straight in his thinking. So he says in verse 1 through 5, he says, I got it now. No doubt about it, God is good. No doubt about it, man, God is good. He's good to good people. He's good to obedient people. He's good to Israel. He's good to good-hearted people. He says, but I have to tell you, before I came to that conclusion, before I let God deal with my heart and get me straight on that, he said, I nearly slipped. He said, I nearly missed seeing the goodness of God in my life. Boy, that's huge right there. I want to say a word to you right now. If you don't get anything else I say today, I want, you, I want to say a word to you. One of the primary um, tricks, schemes, strategies of the enemy is to get you so envious of other people who have more than you do that you don't appreciate what you do have. You are so upset that something bad happened to you and you were so focused on that one thing, that bad thing that happened, you don't realize how he's just blessing you big time over here, way more than that problem you're going through. Look what he says. He said, I almost slipped. He said, I almost missed seeing God's goodness in my life. Everybody say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, no matter what the circumstance of my life, help me to always see your blessing and your goodness in my life. Amen. He said, I almost miss seeing your goodness. Oh, I love this language. He said, God, instead of looking at you and what you were doing in my life to bless, he said, I looked the other way. He said, I was looking the other way. I was looking away from you. I was looking up to the people at the top. He said, God, I got to tell you what messed me up was I envied the wicked who had it made. I was envying the wicked who had it made. I was envying people who I thought, and here he is going on the same deal Job was on a while ago. They, have, they just seem to have nothing to worry about. I got so many things I'm worried about, God, but I look around at the people who don't even love you, and they don't look like they're worried about anything. They look like they don't have a care in the world. Who's ever felt like this out there? Amen? I felt it. He said, matter of fact, God, here's how I saw those people, the wicked who prosper. He said, they're pretentious. They're arrogant. 
He said, God, they wear violence. In other words, they deal cruelly with cruelty. They wear it as a, a fashion. They wear it like clothing. He said, when I look at those people, God, they look pampered to me. They look like you're pampering them. They're, they look overfed. They're decked out in their silk bows of silliness. He said, I listen to what they say, and they jeer, and they mock, and they use words that cut and hurt and kill. He said, as a matter of fact, God, they bully their way with words. He said, they're full of hot air. They're loud mouths. They disturb the peace. He said, and this is what just blows my mind, God. He said, people actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Now, I want you to think about our modern day right here. He says, the modern culture of our day, the society of our day, like thirsty puppies, they lap up the words of the wicked. Mm. I got to tell you something, guys. We live in that day today. But it tells you it isn't new. This tells you it isn't new. This was written thousands of years ago. But man's nature hadn't changed all that much, has it? Are, are, you, are you amazed sometimes when somebody is speaking wickedly? Well, let's just talk about Facebook. Somebody says something that you know is ungodly, and the people who come on there and go, Amen, that's right. And you're like, What? about to hit a no, no, no more notifications from you. I'm telling you, boom, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Pam. I'm down to about 10 people I'm with right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says, uh, he says these people, they, they listen to the wicked and just lap it up. Look at verse uh, uh, 11 through 14. He said, God, I got a question. What's going on here? What's going on here? I love, the, I love the, the message. He goes, are you out to lunch, God? Is God out to lunch? I mean, that's what the message says. Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. Do y'all look around in the world we live in today and go, is God, is he, where is he? Because you're thinking, if I was God, I would have sent a lightning bolt on that dude right there. Bam. So you're thinking, why don't God just stop that? Why don't God just intervene? I mean, are you out to lunch? And then he, boy, you can tell, man. Of course, he's over it now, but he says, back when I was messed up in my thinking, here's what I was thinking. I was thinking, man, the wicked get by with everything. They have it made. They're piling up their riches. Now listen to what he says. Listen to this. Because some of y'all have felt this. Yeah, I never said it out loud probably, but you felt it. He says, you know what? I kind of feel stupid because I've been trying to play by the rules. He said, I've been trying to play by the rules. God, I've been stupid to play by the rules. What has it gotten me? I'll tell you what it's gotten me, he says. A long run of bad luck. That's what. It's right here in your Bible, right here in the message. He says, a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. As a matter of fact, in the King James, it says, every morning you get me up to slap me. He says, I mean, God, I feel like every morning you get me up just to punch me one. Boy, he's messed up, isn't he? Because see, his perspective is wrong. It's messed up. 
Look at verse 15. He says, I got to tell you, man, if I'd given in and talked like this, if I'd have said all this publicly, God, I would have betrayed your dear children. He said, so I kept it to myself, but when I tried to figure it out, God, all I got was a huge splitting headache. Listen to this, verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. He said, this is the way I was thinking until I went into the sanctuary of God. Now, the way I'd like to preach that as a pastor of a local church is, if you go to church, everything's going to be all right. But that's not what that means. When he said, until I went back, until I went into the sanctuary of God, he was talking about his personal relationship with God. He said, I had gotten out of that intimacy with you. But God, when I came back to you and fell at your feet and got intimate with you, all of my now some of y'all were asleep. You're awake now, aren't you? He said, when I when I when I got back with you, when I got back where I needed to be with you, he said, all my confusion. How many of you know when you get away from God, what comes in? Confusion. He said, all my confusion went away, and I saw clearly. I saw how it really was, and then he starts talking about it. He said, I, then I saw the whole picture. He said, I wasn't the one who was slipping. He said, the slippery road, you've put them on. And God, I realize there is a final crash on that road into a ditch of delusions. Not for me, but for them. He said, God, in the blink of an eye, disaster's going to come to them. A blind curve in the dark, a nightmare is coming to them. They're going to wake up one day and rub their eyes and realize that they've been wrong. Nothing. There's nothing to them. And there never was. Verse 21. He said, now God, when I was beleaguered before I got right with you, and I was bitter, I was totally consumed with envy. He said, God, I got to tell you, man, I realize it now. I didn't then, but I realize it now. I was totally ignorant. And I love this. He gets real because we, we, we live in realville here. He said, I was a dumb ox. That's pretty close to something else, ain't it? <laughs> I was a dumb ox. I don't know what y'all thinking. <laughs> I was a dumb ox, but listen to this. He said, even when I was rebelling against you, I was in your will. I mean, I was in your presence. What that means is that when he was messed up in his thinking, God didn't go, you know what? If you're going to think like that, I'm through with you. He said, God, you just stayed right there with me. He said, I'm whining and complaining, and you just stayed right there with me. He said, I'm a dumb ox in your very presence. He said, and I'm still in your presence, but now you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. So God, here's the conclusion I've come to now that I've got back right with you. You're all I want. You're all I want in heaven. You're all I want on the earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle. Mm, that's pretty personal right there. <laughs> he said, you are rock firm and faithful. Look. Those who left you are now falling apart. Deserters. They'll never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I made you, the Lord God, my home. God, I'm telling, you, I'm telling the world what you've done. Man, Psalm 73, man, that's it. Let's stand.
You're going you're gonna to do God's will. And when you do God's will, some, listen, you're going to suffer because you did God's will sometimes. And sometimes you're just going to suffer. How many of you know we live in a sin-cursed That's why I had a stroke a couple weeks ago. That's why I battled cancer. It's not because I did something wrong. Think about Casey Swartz. Is Casey one of the most brave women? Buddy, a fighter. She's not suffering because she did something wrong. She's suffering because Adam and Eve messed stuff up in the Garden of Eden. And I know when she gets to heaven, she's going to go, what was up with that? Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to people who do God's will. But listen to me. Do his will. Do God's will. Do God's will. Because it is the best thing for you. There will be struggles because you followed him. He said, take up your cross. He said, bear a yoke. He never promised us it was going to be easy. Do my will. He said, but when it all is over, you're going to be just like this guy with hands lifted up going, this was best for me. A relationship with God. A walk with God. It's easy to get disillusioned. It's easy in this world to look around and say, am I playing by the rules? I mean, what, what, what's that getting me? In the end, a home in heaven. What's the end for them who reject Jesus? Delusion and destruction. Do his will.